Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. We certainly have a lot to talk about and what's happening on Capitol Hill. Esther Lully is the executive director of the Collier Senior Center at Golden Gate. I just changed their name and a lot of exciting things happening there. Nancy Lewis is a candidate for Collier County Commissioner District 2. We'll visit with Nancy as well as Larry Bell endowed professor at the University of Houston of Space Architecture and author of many books. Really enjoy his writing. Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier is his latest book, written with Buds Aldrin. We'll be talking about his column in Newsmax, Nothing Economical or Ecological About Electric Cars. Easy for me to say. Well, it is February the 4th, and on this day in 1789, George Washington, the commander of the Continental Army during the Revolutionary War, was unanimously elected the first president of the United States by all 69 presidential electors who cast their votes. John Adams of Massachusetts, who received 34 votes, was elected vice president. The electors, who represented 10 of the 11 states that had ratified the U.S. Constitution, were chosen by popular vote, legislative appointment, or a combination of both four weeks before the election. According to Article 2 of the Constitution, the state appointed A number of presidential electors equal to the number of senators and representatives to the state may be entitled to in Congress. Each elector voted for two people, at least one of whom did not live in their state. The individuals receiving the greatest number of votes was elected president and the next in line vice president. In uh, 1804, by the way, this practice was changed by the 12th Amendment to the Constitution, which ordered separate ballots for the office of president and vice president. In New York, though it was uh, to be a seat for a new uh, United States government, failed to choose its eight presidential electors in time for a vote on uh, February the 4th. Two electors, each from Virginia and Maryland, were delayed by weather and did not vote. In addition, North Carolina and Rhode Island, which would have had seven and three electors respectively, had not ratified the Constitution, so they could not vote. The remaining 69 unanimously chose Washington to lead the new U.S. government and was a surprise to no one. As commander-in-chief during the Revolutionary War, he was led his inexperienced and poorly equipped army of civilian soldiers to victory over the world's greatest power. After the uh, British surrender at Yorktown in 1781, Washington rejected with abhorrence a suggestion by one of his officers that he use his preeminence to assume the military dictatorship of the United States. He would not subvert the very principles for which so many Americans had fought and died, he replied, and soon after he surrendered his military commission to the Continental Congress and retired to his uh, Mount Vernon estate in Virginia. When the Articles of Confederation proved ineffectual and the fledgling republic teetered on the verge of collapse, Washington again answered his country's call and traveled to Philadelphia in 1787 to preside over the Constitutional Convention. Although he favored the creation of a strong central government, as president of the convention, he maintained impartiality in the public debates. Outside the convention hall, however, he made his views known, and his weight of character did much to bring the proceedings to a close. The drafters created the office of the president with him in mind, and on September the 17th, 1787, the document was signed. The next day, Washington started for home, hoping that his duty to his country again served. He could live out the rest of his days in privacy. However, a crisis soon arose when the Constitution fell short of its necessary ratification by nine states. Washington threw himself into the ratification debate, and a compromise agreement was made in which the remaining states would ratify the document in exchange for passage of the constitutional amendments that would become the Bill of Rights. Government by the United States began on, February, on March the 4th, 1789, 
In April, Congress sent word to George Washington that he had been unanimously won the presidency. He borrowed money to pay off his debts. Don't exactly understand that concept, but nevertheless, he did. He borrowed money to pay off his debts in Virginia and traveled to New York. On April the 30th, he came across the Hudson River in a specially built and decorated barge. The inaugural ceremony was performed on the balcony of the Federal Hall on Wall Street, and a large crowd cheered after he took the oath of office. The president then retired indoors to read Congress's inaugural address, a quiet speech in which he spoke of the experiment entrusted to the hands of the American people. The evening celebration was opened and closed by 13 rockets, sky rockets, and 13 cannons. As president, Washington sought to unite the nation and protect the interests of the new republic at home and abroad. Of his presidency, he said, I walk on untrodden ground. This is scarcely any part of my conduct which will not hereafter be drawn in precedent. He successfully implemented executive authority, making good use of brilliant politicians such as Alexander Hamilton and Thomas Jefferson in his cabinet, and quieted fears of presidential tyranny. In 1792, he was uh, unanimously re-elected for four years, but refused a third term. In 1797, he finally began his long-awaited retirement at home in Mount Vernon. He died on December the 14th, 1799. His friend Henry Lee provided a famous eulogy for the father of the United States, first in war, first in peace, and first in the hearts of his countrymen, George Washington, one of the greatest. Americans, for sure. By the way, the uh, Indescribables, Indispensables, I'm sorry, written by Patrick O'Donnell, a great, great uh, story about the American Revolution, uh, highlights, of course, uh, President Washington's great leadership. Well, from the Committee to Unleash Prosperity, I found this (laughs) so interesting. Replacing Trump with Biden was supposed to bring joy to the land from sea to sea, but just the opposite has occurred. An ongoing survey by the University of Chicago finds that record percentages of Americans in 2021 described themselves as unhappy for most of the past 50 years. About one in 10 Americans have described themselves as unhappy. Now one in four do. Normally about one in three Americans say they're very happy. Now less than 10 in two say they're very happy. Wonder what the Americans are so glum of uh, all of a sudden. Well, let's count the ways. Isolation and loneliness from lockdowns and travel restrictions. Rising crime, business failures from lockdowns, health concerns due to the virus which Biden promised he would shut down, financial stress from inflation, school shutdown, and the fact that woke American is joyless. Nothing is funny anymore because it might offend someone somewhere sometime. And then they ask the question, when's the last time you saw a funny movie? Well. I saw Christmas Vacation. We watch it every year. That was pretty funny. So what's sadly ironic about all of this is that most unhappy people are Democrat voters. They got their leader in office, and now they're miserable. Serves them right, says the uh, Committee to Unleash Prosperity. I I like that. Well, a reporter on Wednesday asked uh, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, Psaki, if Joe Biden will pledge to nominate an Asian American to the Supreme Court. Serves him right. Racist Joe Biden vowed to replace Justice Breyer with a black woman. Given the president's commitment to diversity in the Supreme Court, will he be uh, making similar pledges, for example, that there will be an Asian American justice or LGBTQ justice? So he'll make a similar pledge. This, according to a, a, a Oriental uh, reporter, asked Pazaki. As usual, she dodged the question. She didn't answer it. But it, the question's more important than the answer, isn't it? I don't know why they, uh, this identity politics and saying that we're going to have to have a black woman as a justice. It's okay we do, but let's just select the best person to do the job, whether irrespective of color or gender. <clears throat> well, the White House indicated Tuesday that Spotify's attempt to address what they described as coronavirus misinformation on past uh, podcaster Joe Rogan's interviews was not strong enough a response to the freedom of speech controversy. Spotify announced a decision Sunday to include content advisory warnings on Rogan's interviews about the coronavirus pandemic with sources dissenting from the government's narrative about the virus. It's a positive step, but more can be done, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said during the daily briefing on Tuesday. 
which is, this is just unbelievable. Here we have a spokesperson for the White House saying we need to censor speech that disagrees with the uh, government's point of view. This is really a fast fall into a dictatorship. It's just unbelievable. Bad sign. Spotify uh, acted to address the situation after musicians Neil Young and Joni Mitchell, some people remember who they are, asked the company to remove the uh, music from their platform as part of the protest of Rogan's interviews. But Psaki called on uh, technology and media platforms to do more to censor what she described as misinformation about the virus. That certain includes Spotify, she called it. (laughs) Spotify. This disclaimer is a positive step, but we want every platform to continue doing more to call out misinformation and disinformation while also uplifting accurate information, she continued. What's ironic about that is, of course, the misinformation is coming from uh, the president and the administration and from the government. A lot of people are clarifying information, and it's being censored. For example, the fact that uh, 80% of the people that have problems with coronavirus are uh, of uh, older, in the older age cohort, and also uh, have uh, compromised immune systems. So, uh, but, ever, but nevertheless, this president saying everybody should have uh, the vaccine or the jab. She said it was a fact that people who are not vaccinated were six to eight times more likely to die from the virus than people who are vaccinated or boosted. That, I think, is incorrect. That's pretty significant, and we think there's something that unquestionably should be the basis of how people are communicating about it, she said. In a social media video addressing the controversy, Rogan promised to include more balance on the issue of coronavirus and vaccines so that all sides of the issue could be explored. I don't want to just show the contrary opinion to what the narrative is, he said. I want to show all kinds of opinions so that we can all figure out what's going on, and not just about COVID, but about everything, about health, fitness, wellness, and the state of the world itself, he said. Good for him. I've never seen his or or heard his podcast, but it must be awfully good because he's got 11 million listeners, as I understand it, which is (laughs) pretty darn good. Nevertheless, uh, even to cite somehow that uh, what he's saying is incorrect, it just it, it violates freedom of speech. Unbelievable. Well, hooray! The end of the failed wind and solar energy experiment. The European Union will classify natural gas and nuclear as green for investment purposes. A proposal will help channel billions of dollars of private sector investment into those two energy sources and away from wind and solar. This is really great news. I mean, their their energy costs are going up. They're intermittent. They're having all kinds of problems with just uh, windmills and sunbeams. So uh, the whole idea of including nuclear, the two ends, nuclear and uh, gas, natural gas, is a good idea. And, of course, many people are objecting to it, those on the far left. But uh, it's pretty pretty uh, finally coming to their senses and getting away from uh, this whole notion of green energy, including natural gas and nuclear. It's a good idea for the European Union, and I think we should follow suit. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with William Yateman, research fellow at the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. 
Lulubee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulubees.com and stop by Lulubee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulubee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulubee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Higher Senior Resources at the Golden Gate Senior Center goes a long way towards keeping seniors connected in the community and with each other. Serving all of Collier County, the Senior Center provides comprehensive information regarding resources and services that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers, empowering seniors to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Programs are offered free of charge in a safe, welcoming space and focus on fellowship, enrichment and wellness, continuing education and meeting basic needs through offerings such as daily hot lunch, health screenings, and counseling services. So whether you're looking for referrals to services or a vibrant place to make friends, enjoy community support, or learn something new, Collier Senior Resources at the Golden Gate Senior Center is your Collier Senior Center. To learn more about programs and services, please visit CollierSeniorResources.org. That's CollierSeniorResources.org. Or call the Senior Center directly at 239 239- 252-4534. That's 252-3534. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform. You should check it out. You can download the app and find out more by visiting choicesocial.us, choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Esther Lully. She is the executive director of the Collier Senior Center, new name for the Collier uh, Senior Center, Golden Gate. Uh, right now we have with us William Yateman, a research fellow at the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure, William. Tell us about the Cato Institute. You bet. We're a think tank here in Washington, D.C., and we're dedicated to advancing the ideals of free society at every level of government. Cato.org is the website. C-A-T-O dot org. Well, uh, we've been uh, kind of a preoccupied with Build Back Better, but... <laughs> But <laughs> good old uh, senator from uh, West Virginia said, what build back better? That's dead. So <laughs> it's on the back burner. So uh, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, that was actually the exact term that uh, Senator Joe Manchin used just a couple days ago. Uh, that is dead um, when it comes to the Build Back Better Act, that $2 trillion social spending measure. Um, And indeed, it has been put on the way back burner. We've seen the Senate uh, this month or this week um, sort of turn wholesale to spending. Um, That is on February 18th. The stopgap measure that I think we spoke about last December runs out Mm -hmm. and the government will run out of funding. Um, So uh, that is to say negotiations are now ongoing for what is likely to be another stopgap measure. And I should note here that this actually benefits the Republicans in Congress. Um, all these stopgap measures keep in line the status quo since the Trump administration. So all these spending priorities and spending limits and whatnot were set by a GOP president. That is to say that Republicans in, in the Senate and the House, for that matter, mm-hmm. are happy to go along with these stopgap measures because, again, they behoove the Republican Party. Huh. Um, it, it, seems me, uh, it seems to me, it seems to me, William, that uh, uh, our Senate Majority Leader, Minority Leader McConnell, kind of stepped into the breach and pulled the uh, fat out of the fire for the Democrats the last time. I wonder if he'll do the same this time. Well, to be sure, now th- that gets to uh, how these issues are, are are super complicated. So I believe that McConnell pulled uh, uh, Schumer's chestnuts out of the fire with respect to raising the debt ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to this, these stopgap <clears throat> government funding measures, uh, it was more so uh, uh, Schumer caving to McConnell because, again, it, it is – and th- those two issues are distinct. I mean, one pertains to how much money the government is allowed to, to borrow, mm-hmm. um, and the other, the issue that is now on the table, is how much money the government is authorized to spend. 
Um, so uh, I do think it was McConnell, at least on this stopgap spending, has been consistent. When it comes to the national debt, which I'll add here, just passed $30 trillion, yeah. I agree wholehearted with, wholeheartedly with you that McConnell has been a bit off the reservation. So uh, let's talk about what the uh, what they're focusing on now. The Democrats, what yesterday, good indication that uh, Biden's going to be pressing on with gun control. But there's also this whole notion of a competition bill. Maybe you could tell us about it. Indeed. So uh, this actually already passed the Senate in 2021 with healthy uh, Republican support. So I think it was 18 Republican senators went along with this. Um, in the House, it, it's, it's not quite clear what sort of form this bill is ultimately going to take. In the Senate, it was about $250 billion worth of handouts, supposedly to uh, incentivize competition. Um, in the House, again, it's, it's, this is a leadership-driven process outside of the normal committee process. Um, so a lot of this stuff is being negotiated behind closed doors. But yes, that is very much on the House's plate now. I'm skeptical uh, with respect to whatever will come out. Um, I don't think the government's place to be uh, – I think if the government gets out of the way, that's sort of the best incentive for competition um, and free markets and the like. Um, I'm, I'm not, I don't know of any instance whereby government intervention in markets somehow spurs uh, you know, wealth creation. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's a, the most absurd notion that you can imagine is that the government is somehow going to create competition. It does, in, in most cases, it does anything but. It, it, it tends to play favorites. So it's always best to stay out of the way, in my dear, opinion. Dear. So, hey, uh, the uh, Supreme Court nominee, uh, president said, well, we're going to nominate somebody who's black and who's a woman, uh, as opposed to, he did highlight he wants to select a good candidate and all that, but it just puts the imp as I used to say, emphasis on the wrong syllable. Um, so so uh, how's this all going to play out in your view? Well, I think it's going to play out on a tight timeline. I mean, this is actually one of the issues that is uh, uh, bumped the Build Back Better Act and, uh, to the back burner. I mean, the, it's the Senate and the House, or I'm sorry, the Senate is very much focused on, on getting through this nominee, whomever it is. I mean, whoever Biden ultimately decides. Um, whichever advocate or black woman. Um, but uh, Biden and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, they're talking about a 40-day timeline on par with um, Amy Barrett. Uh, uh, oh, gosh. Uh, her last name is Ludie. Amy Coney Barrett. Amy Coney Barrett. Thank right. you so much. You uh, very much in line with the pace of her confirmation. Um, I'll say the biggest news probably this week were reports of division within uh, the GOP Senate caucus regarding how to proceed. Um, that is to say that leadership, uh, Senator McConnell, Senator Thume, uh, are not looking for a pitched battle, whereas certain senators, um, Senator Kennedy, Senator Cruz, are perhaps looking to draw a line in the sand. I'll say this, at the very least, I think there is unanimity, or, or I think there's the, the GOP caucus is, is uniform and unanimous, they don't want a repeat of the Kavanaugh circuit. Right. So I think we're going to see a more respectful process no matter what. I must say, yeah, that uh, really wasn't on the GOP, though. I think that was more on the Democrats and how that subcommittee handled that uh, interview with Kavanaugh, quite frankly. Now, one other complicating issue, of course, is this Lujan from uh, New Mexico. Senator Lujan uh, had a stroke. Parenthetically, makes me wonder if perhaps it wasn't uh, brought on by uh, taking the vaccine. But aside from that, he's going to be out of office for quite a while. He's recovering in the hospital right now. Who knows how long it's going to take? There is no he can't vote from the hospital bed. He's got to be there in the Senate, apparently, according to Senate rules. This is going to complicate this issue, isn't it? Undoubtedly, it will complicate things. Um, I'll note here um, that Senator Ben Fenray Lujan out of New Mexico, he was only 49, and evidently this is uh, uh, there are different types of strokes. This, I, I didn't know this, um, but it's one um, where he is expecting a full recovery, perhaps on a relatively quick time scale. Hmm. So uh, you're exactly right that this does complicate things. Um, however, um, I think a lot is up in the air. And I'll note that uh, 
you were exactly right when you said that the, the Republicans had nothing to do with the smearing of Kavanaugh. And I, when, I, when I mentioned that, I was saying that Republicans were going to distinguish themselves from Democrats you know, with this process, yeah. from what the Democrats did with Kavanaugh. Uh, it may not be a, a divisive 50-50 sort of vote. Um, that, that is to say, you know, Senator Graham, for example, has come out strongly in favor of the possibility of, of Michelle Child's uh, a, a, a judge from South Carolina. Um, there could be Republican support. You know, with Republicans looking to turn down the, the temperature on these confirmation battles, mm-hmm. it may be the case that, that Senator Schumer doesn't need to rely on 100 percent of his caucus. Uh, that is, he can afford to not have Senator Ben Ray Lujan um, present on the Senate floor. Right. Uh, so we'll see how this plays out. Yeah, well, thanks for that clarification. And again, William Yeatman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute, and I encourage you to visit the very robust website, cato.org, C-A-T-O. William, always appreciate your very informed commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Esther Lully, Executive Director of the Collier Senior Center in Golden Gate. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse. Not only building a 44,000-square-foot beautiful performing arts center in downtown Naples, but also bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best and at very reasonable prices. You can find out more and uh, get tickets. Visit the website, Gulf Shore Playhouse. Org. Coming up, we're going to visit with candidate for Collier County Commissioner in District 2, Nancy Lewis. Right now we have with us Esther Lully. She is the Executive Director of the Collier Senior Center in Golden Gate. Esther, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. Good morning. Good morning to you, Esther. Hey, uh, new name for the Senior Center. Maybe you can tell us about it. Absolutely. Well, as Collier County's first senior resource center, we believe that the name change to Collier Senior Center, it better reflects who we are as an organization, where we evolve and where we're going. And we want it to be forward thinking, uh, futuristically speaking. The goal is to have multiple locations. For example, currently we are Golden, we are Collier Senior Center Golden Gate. Next, we could be Collier Senior Center Marco Island, you know, things of that nature. So we want to be where senior centers are needed. So we believe the name change to Collier Senior Center, again, better reflects who we are. 
That's great. And as a matter of fact, I wasn't aware of this, but in a press release, I read that actually Collier County was one of the last of the counties. And we have 67 counties in Florida that actually have senior centers. So I think this was a Collier Senior Center was established, I think, in 2010 and really providing outstanding services for seniors. In fact, Sheriff Rambaugh said the number one reason why uh, uh, seniors uh, get exploited is because they're uh, loneliness and isolation, which is one of the big address issues you address, isn't it? Absolutely. And as you made mention, we opened our doors, you know, uh, 2010, but since 2014, we've been located at the Golden Gate uh, Center. And yes, we provide a variety of, of services. We serve nearly 1,500 registered members at no charge who, who benefits from our services. And some of the services we provide are the Collier County Daily Hot Meals, the Meals of Hope, Weekly Food Pantry, the AARP job placement, and this is so important, the direct assistance program that is funded in part by the Community Foundation of Collier County, which is available to Collier County residents 60 years or older, and if they're living within federal poverty level, we provide a one-time financial assistance for medical prescription, eyeglasses, utility shutoff, uh, gas card, additional items, you know, case-by-case basis, and we also offer case management and other social services, and so that's that, that is great because we certainly have seniors who are in need, and we know that the cost of living in Collier right now um, is certainly going up. So if anyone needs help and they fall within the guidelines that I just mentioned, they can certainly come on over or give us a call to see how we can help them. And next, to provide mental support, we have our Upslide program, which is funded by the Women's Foundation of Collier County and Moorings Park Foundation. That helps to meet the social and isolation needs within our seniors. And so Upslide stands for utilizing and promoting social engagement for loneliness, isolation, and depression in the elderly. So it's a social engagement program that combats isolation and depression through a friendship chat group and a mental health counseling. I'm telling you, I personally see our seniors taking advantage of this program here meeting with the mental health counselor so it is absolutely a wonderful program well i I just i just can't underscore how important that is i had i was in the financial services business and i recall meeting with people that were isolated and lonely they just didn't have anybody to reach out to you know the slowly but surely that circle of friendship starts to narrow as people pass away move on and so forth and uh, you lose contact and you know that is just as so important not only in terms of uh, just uh, mental health but also uh, physical health it helps to sustain life and helps to keep people happy and to enjoying life you bring up a great point bob great point and at our center you, you could feel the difference everyone every senior is welcome there's diversity there it's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. And if there's one thing that COVID taught us is this, we know what it means to feel isolated and that digital connection does not replace in-person human interaction. So the social connections certainly matter and they will receive that at the Call Your Senior Center over at Golden Gate. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Yeah, so all of us, I think, know somebody that might be isolated, somebody who could perhaps use this kind of support. Hey, well, now there is a resource. It's the Collier Senior Center. Uh, How can people reach out and how can they be in touch? How can they uh, get involved? All right. Well, our website is CollierSeniorCenter.org. Our number, 239-252-4541. We're We're located at 4898 Coronado Parkway next to the Golden Gate Library, and our hours of operation are Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 a.m., and walk-ins are always welcome if they have any question or want to tour the site. And you may mention, how can someone get involved or support? You know, we have Give Where You Live starting on February 9th, and anyone listening, our our donors, anyone who wants to support can certainly uh, write a check out to Call Your Senior Center. Um, to continue to 
support the great works that we do. As you know, we've partnered with so many amazing community um, organizations, grantors, donors, volunteers. And so we are grateful for the enormous support that we receive constantly through the parties I mentioned earlier and more. So th- those are the ways people can help. All right. Well, thank you for that, Esther. And again, CollierSeniorCenter.org. Is, the, is this a new website? I believe it is, isn't it? It is a new website, okay. callyourseniorcenter.org, correct. Callyourseniorcenter.org. So I hope you check it out. A very robust website. You can see a list of all the services being offered. And again, uh, make a referral from to someone that you may know that uh, perhaps could use you know, some assistance. Uh, and uh, it's, it's a great resource here in the community. Esther Lally, again, Executive Director of the Collier Senior Center. I really appreciate uh, your time and uh, uh, commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for the support, Bob. You My, have a great day. Thank you as you. well. Thank you, Esther. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to be visiting with Nancy Lewis. Nancy is a, a commi- uh, candidate for Collier County Commissioner in uh, District 2. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months, finally having exhausted all alternatives for pain management. Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board. Proudly serve. It's just an outstanding organization, among other things, providing programs and policies to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. Right now we have with us Nancy Lewis. Nancy is a candidate for Collier County Commissioner District 2. Nancy, thank you so much for joining us. Bob, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. It's my extreme pleasure to be with you. Oh, thank you, Nancy. So uh, tell us, uh, so for those uh, that haven't met you or don't know about your background, maybe you can tell us about your background and, and why you want to run for Collier County Commissioner. Absolutely. Love the opportunity. Uh, I am a lifelong Republican. I moved here in 1991 from New Jersey, so full-time resident, 30 years. Uh, I moved, I was drawn specifically to the beaches, the clean air, the water, 
uh, the amenities. It was a wonderful place to to get out of the cold and the rat race of New Jersey and raise my children in a, you know a paradise basically. Yeah, 1991. Boy, that's uh, you certainly had your antenna up a lot earlier than we did. So, <laughs> congratulations to you. So, uh, thank you. Why? What's? Uh, why? Uh, why do you uh, want to run for Cuyahoga County Commissioner? Uh, I actually believe that I've been called to run. I love Naples. I love Collier County. Uh, I want to see it remain the best county in the state. We've experienced so much growth within the, the last few years that I'm concerned because we're at a crossroads. We're becoming a metropolis and we're facing a lot of uh, life challenges, quality of life challenges from environmental issues to the aging infrastructure uh, with limited green space in the urban areas of the county. We've got major traffic congestion, and I feel like I'm being called to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Oh, good for you, Nancy. So one of the issues that we see is the uh, uh, developers who actually uh, uh, get uh, permits to develop property and sometimes step over the bounds in terms of uh, the the limits they have. And uh, I just wonder if, the, if there's any repercussions or not. Is that an issue that you're concerned about? I am concerned about it. Uh, I support private property rights. I support sensible planned growth. Mm -hmm. uh, the reality is, is if we're not growing, we're dying, but it's got to be sensible and planned. We have a growth management plan in place for that specific reason in order that uh, it's planned that the infrastructure can handle it along with the natural resources. And when we make uh, business as usual to allow exemptions, uh, we kind of lost sight of what that growth management plan was. And as a result, we've got some of the runaway growth and the major traffic congestion and, and what we've got going on now. Yeah, well, let's talk about that because I've seen predictions uh, the, for that uh, Collier County could end up with a population in 20 years. And I, I'm not exactly sure these figures, but close to a million people or, or over a million people. Where I think currently at about 350,000 now. Uh, that's... I think we're closer. We're we're probably between three eighty and three ninety at this point. Uh -huh. And I know that we we anticipate to have that many people. Right now, we're looking at what Florida is. Uh, we've got seven hundred to a thousand people moving to Florida each day, and Collier County is you know is a, a perfect destination. Yeah, you know, so there's so many issues that are attached to that whole notion of growth. Among them, for example, uh, affordable housing for the people that service, for people that, uh, for example, are waiting our tables and uh, cutting our lawns and so forth. Uh, I'm sure that issue's come up in, in terms of uh, and how you're thinking about it. Yes, uh, affordable housing right now is a hot topic. Uh, I would say almost on a regular basis in the last few years, commissioners have been giving developers bonuses to build more housing units than the growth management laws allow simply to provide for affordable housing for teachers, for police officers, for our essential service personnel. Uh, the problem is that we have no oversight to ensure that the units that they actually gave these bonuses for are occupied by these intended essential service workers uh, or rented to them at the reduced rate or at market rate. We do not have the systems in place. So that's one of the reasons that I'm running. Uh, I will always insist on accountability for the taxpayers, for the programs that they're paying for. So in other words, uh, uh, someone can come in and uh, even it's a, uh, one of the smaller units in a, in a development, some anybody could bid on, anybody could buy it, even as an investment, let's say. So uh, how would you provide for that accountability? I'm sorry, for, that could provide for... The accountability to, to make sure that it's going to people who can use the uh, housing, uh, who are providing services to us here in Cuyahoga County. Okay, so... Because of the fact that there's no audit mechanism in place, the mm. thing is, is we either need to be accountable for it and make sure that when these bonuses are given, say, for like a 30-year period, that each year that there is an audit trail, that there's reports made that, you know, this person applied at just a certain amount of the average median income qualified for is rented or purchased. And it's it's followed through so that the tax 
taxpayers, we know that this is actually being done. Mm -hmm. It's not just lip service being paid to, to allow developers increased density. Uh, audits would be a good thing, absolutely. Let's uh, let's move to the environment. Uh, you mentioned brought up environment in your opening statement, and uh, we do have some environmental issues here. We have a pristine environment. I just love the environment we have here. The, of course, uh, facilitated by ocean breezes, but there are some concerns. Uh, what are your thoughts? Absolutely, with the red tide, blue green algae, uh, just the the quality and water conservation. I want to say kudos to our own Lauren Mello that yesterday House Bill 579 passed unanimously, uh, and I'm hopeful that this legislation will protect and restore our water quality uh, by, you know, getting rid of harmful nutrients that are released in Laco. It's vital to our ecosystem, our residents, wildlife, and our economy. So we need to continue to do things like that because our economy depends on it. Yeah, could you tell us about the bill for our listeners that may not be familiar with it, including me? <laughs> okay. All right. So House Bill 579 was brought forth by Lauren Mello, our representative, and it's a study that will be done with FGCU, and it, it's going to look to reduce invasive plants and harmful algae blooms by reducing, um, by stopping the release of nutrients in our waters. So it has to do with Lake O, uh -huh. and anything from Lake O that, you know, that's coming down to us, that's where we end up with, with the releases with the algae blooms. And, um, the red tide and affect our tourism. Good. Well, I, I hopefully it'll make it through the entire process and be signed into law. I, I must say in the last uh, t term of the uh, Collier County Commissioners, uh, the whole notion that uh, we ended up having a mask mandate in this county just really infuriated me and upset me. I don't know where you, where do you stand on the whole notion of having mandates here in Collier County? In terms of mandates, I felt like that was an overreach of the government um, when it comes to masks, the vaccine. I believe it's a personal choice that we should not have the mandate. Uh, I personally respect and support people that choose to be vaccinated, choose to wear masks. Right. But I don't believe it should be a mandate. Ah, good for you. So uh, anything else that you'd like us to know about you in terms of uh, your candidacy? And I guess the election's coming up in, is it March? Or... No, no, August, August 23rd. Right, at the, the primary sometime uh, before that, isn't yes. it? Okay. Yes. So, no, I'm actually running to be the voice of the people. Um, I never saw myself running uh, when I was approached nine months ago. Uh, I would have said to the people that asked me, you're out of your mind until I realized that this is about me. It's about our county, our future. And uh, because of that, I'm willing to give 150% of what it takes to make sure that we can remain the best county. Uh, so that, you know, for, for people to enjoy for years to come and for our grandchildren, I'm concerned about um, the future with projects and programs uh, that we keep purchasing. What we're doing is we're kicking down, we're, we're kicking the can down the road and we're issuing bonds that will only tie us down. And I'm afraid it's going to be a, a rude awakening one day when we keep buying golf courses and um not knowing what the costs are, the carrying costs. Yeah. So yeah. I would like more accountability uh, for the taxpayers simply because we really need to focus on the infrastructure. And if we don't do something, we're going to find ourselves like with a lot higher taxes. Yeah, so we uh, it's so much more to talk about. I'm sorry we don't have time, but Nancy, I know you have a, a website, and I also know that you have a Facebook page. Uh, how can we reach out? And of course, uh, uh, politics, the, the money is the mother milk of politics, so <laughs> you know, I'm sure you could use a contribution or two. Absolutely. Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. My website is nancylewislistens.com, and on Facebook, it's NL District 2. Um, this is truly, truly, Bob, uh, a campaign of the people and for the people to be the voice. So many people are frustrated uh, with everything that's going on with the growth and the failing roadways. So this is really for the voice of the people. So we need the support of the people yeah. um, simply because we're not going to get a special interest group. Support. All right. Nancy, I genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
Bob, thank you. It's been a, my pleasure. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture, author of Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier, a book that he wrote with Buzz Aldrin. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, as I mentioned before uh, the break, where he's an endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. He's written many books, read most of them. Not, uh, his latest is Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints a book that he co-wrote, The Pioneering the Space Frontier, co-wrote with Buzz Aldrin. He also writes a column for Newsmax. It's called On Point. If you go to Newsmax.com, you'll find the column. Uh, his latest, Nothing Economical or Ecological About Electric Cars. Professor Bell, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, it's always fun. Thank you so much. Thank you, Professor. Well, I've been looking forward to this discussion. Maybe you could uh, get, tell us about nothing economical or ecological about electric cars. That certainly seems to be running against the tide. I probably broke some hearts on this article. Uh, I, I mentioned that, you know, if you've if you got the money and uh, really want an electric vehicle, then of course you're going to go for it. They're you know, pretty cool, but if you, you know, if you want to get some... Uh, some some points from shaming your neighbors because they're not woke enough and, and it brightens your day to do so and you can to signal a little bit that's that's fine i mean if you're paying for it but not entirely your neighbors are helping you pay for it too because uh the foregoing illusions that an electric vehicle is really going to have any real net mileage efficiency advantages and electricity isn't free and plan to take any really long trips without any term recharging delays and hope that there'll be a charger, you know, at a convenient location and add that into your trip time or don't think about it as a trade-in investment after you invest in some very expensive new batteries to the old rig going. Uh, and if you don't really plan to be, benefit either the climate or the environment, any conceivable way because that's certainly an illusion as well when you look to 
the end costs of buying the vehicle and yeah. when the batteries wind up in a landfill somewhere. You know, it reminded me of this uh, I-95 thing. People stranded for 22 hours. Can you imagine if you had an electric vehicle <laughs> and you could, you know, it'd, it'd run out of, uh, its charge would go down over the course of that number of hours. Uh, you you know, you'd end up being stranded. I think of, um, but at the same time, some of the things that I've written about this seriously uh, on more than one occasion where the plan is we're going to uh, Simultaneously go green. So that means we're going to get rid of the 85% of our 80, 85% of the energy we get from uh, fossil energy. Just kind of switch over to windmills and sunbeams and provide about 3%. We just, we'll just kind of switch over magically. And at the same time, we're going to take the 2% of the uh, the 98% of cars that run on gasoline, and we're going to switch them over to two, you know, from the two percent, uh, and 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 them all, and you know, plug them into your wall socket too, um, and and crash the grid. So now, how are you going to recharge the things? Yeah. You know, if you a lot of observant people realize the you know, they can't see the sun at night, so that they can the solar panels and. Uh, that's kind of a problem, and then after that, that you know, all the earth materials uh, that we have to get from from China uh, that go into those batteries that wind up landfills. Um, that's not a very pretty sight. No, it's not at all. But you point out some interesting things. Apparently, the American people are onto this. In fact, you you point out that most people buy their electric car as a second vehicle maybe for around town driving and uh you know they they've really kind of got this whole thing in mind when they're when they're making that purchase. Well, I think that's true and uh if you know again going back to your point you have a when you have a uh energy freeze on top of having your house not you know your house cold you can't get electricity and you know your heater doesn't operate and so on can't get your garage door open, you know, your car can't get recharged. And you think about uh, adding the, the fact that you're, not that you just uh, suffer, you know, when when, thing, when the house breaks down, but you suffer when you can't escape. And also the cold weather, I'm starting to get some around the country now, it's a big hit on energy efficiency. So for efficiency you get uh, normal times when you, when it's cold out, uh, energy, uh, your battery is much less efficient. At the same time, you're running your heater in your car at full blast. And uh, so that takes a hit, too. Yeah. I'm a big fan of hybrid cars. In fact, I, ha I, I have a hybrid. I, I just love my hybrid car, and uh, it's so peppy, and uh, it's uh, it's really, a, I enjoy it so much. I have a Lexus. Uh, but the the whole thing right now, the in terms of pri American priorities, I mean, they're concerned about inflation and concerned about uh, costs of goods and services. I, you know, I don't think many people are concerned about uh, the uh, green economy or alternative energies or that kind of thing. And I think this whole thing is flying in the face of what's best for American people. I think it's a real turnoff. I think people just don't understand. I think that everything that grows is green. You know, I think this. Ethanol thing is just is really a that's a favor to the farmers to you know to use a lot of this unproductive land and grow corn and so you got to fertilize the, you know the, the corn for the energy you know with uh, you know with uh, corn has very sh shallow roots and fertilizer runs off into, into the rivers and yeah and meanwhile you you, you know you, you got to have tractors that that's uh you know that cultivate you know cultivate the corn and you got to have energy to turn into alcohol which ethanol is and and, and it's, it's terrible stuff i mean there's terrible things here you put too much in your gas tank it'll blow all your plastic seals and don't 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 dare put them in your outboard motor or your lawnmower so yeah i think there's a lot of uh this you know a lot of uh illusions about what green is yeah, I, I heard that uh, the candidate for president—I've forgotten his name now—the guy, the, uh, 
uh, bears and the melting ice pots. What I forget. Anyhow, he said that uh, he apparently uh, tried to appease the Iowans to get their votes by having by including ethanol and gasoline. Who am I speaking of? You know exactly who I mean. Uh, in any event, uh, Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston, uh, I encourage you to hit. He's written many books. One of my favorites is Scared Witless, The Prophets and Prophets of Climate Doom. Uh, if you're concerned about this whole energy, and we all should, uh, about uh, alternative energy, take a look at uh, Scared Witless, The Prophets and Prophets of Climate Doom. And again, go to, go to um, Facebook, or, or rather to uh, Newsmax.com, and check out the column On Point by Professor Larry Bell. Professor, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Bob, thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure, Professor. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I did. I learned a lot. Uh, I hope you'll join us uh, tomorrow. I should say on Monday. On Monday, we're going to visit with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCenter.com. As we always have for the last 15 years, we'll be reviewing current global events. Larry Reed is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry will be joining us, as well as Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington bureau chief and author of many books, his latest two, Murder Mysteries, uh, Follow the Leader, and its sequel, Shake the Money Tree. I hope you have a great day and a great weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.